Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals. Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise dice today. Welcome back to Curse Code and Crown, a live play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse Code and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! 
you pick your way back across uh, the battlefield, checking in briefly with Peachtree and Vivaldi, telling them to hang tight um, before making your way back into the cave. Uh, inside the cave, you can see that um, uh, there's a lot of wounded um, and uh, there are uh, some dead that are being dragged into what looks like a, uh, it's something you hadn't really clocked the first time you were through, um, but it's gi- basically a giant uh, metal, almost vault, that's been kind of um, welded together. And you can see them just kind of like crank it open, um, bring the bodies inside, and then crank it closed and like seal it with a, with a wheel. Um, is, uh, is Rios here? Captain Rios? Uh, yeah, Rios is um, is present. Um, he uh, he's bandaging up one hand. Uh, he lost a couple fingers, um, but and he looks just just exhausted and and furious. Um, uh, but he's still like going around trying to like raise everyone's morale. But clearly, the battle didn't go particularly well. Hmm. Captain Rios, we've returned. Oh, How he, fair um, you? He, he, like, is in the middle of pulling his bandages tight, and then he uh, sees Gwendolyn, and he kind of, like, drops into a bow. Um, and then you see him wince as he gets back up, uh, and, and you can see his knees a bit fucked up. Um, and he's like, Highness, uh, Sir, uh, Sir Tortle, welcome back. I, I fear you, you've come a bit too late. Uh, the battle is, is lost. Lost? Mm. For today. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow we will strike them in their own camp, bring the fight to them. At least if we can make it across no man's land. I see. We entered the Necrotis camp. Did you find the plague mage? Mm. No, no sign of a mage. The battle ended just as we would have moved to the command camp. We tried to interrogate a medic, for lack of a better term. These were not the Necrotists as we had heard from the legends. They had feelings, they had emotion, mourned be, their losses. No. No, don't don't believe any of that. We've heard we've heard tell of echoes. Uh, uh, those those who, who believed things in life occasionally bring them with them into undeath. This medic, was he an orc like us? Like these these orcs? Mm, he was an orc, yes. Mm. Is his name Johannes? Hmm. Yes. How uh, do you know this? Rios is just like crestfallen. He's like, he was our cleric. He was the one who, who helped us prevent the dead from rising. He clearly carried his care for the dead into unlife. Mm. Did you did you end him? Did you set him free? Quite. Was that the same question? Yes, that, that is that is the same well, then, question. Then yes. Good. No one should live in undeath. He appears to have made a choice of sorts that he wished to continue living. Hmm. Uh, I do not agree with for everlasting life. The Necrotists claim to have a collective consciousness. Were you aware of this? A shared mind. As we've heard were. we've heard rumors that's how Asher was able to control all of his forces simultaneously. They're all born of his will. He he was the one who raised them and and, and he, he created the, the Necrotist itself to to try and overpower the world. It's uh, we, we don't have exact science on any of it. Um, we some People speak of it almost as though it's an infection. Others speak of it as though it's magic. There's no, 
We've never been able to do an autopsy on the damn things fall to ashes when they die. Well, you know, you killed one. Not all of them. We found an elf. An elf necrotish corpse. Are you certain it was dead? Not fall to ash. Yes. Mm, yes. Well, it had been stapled and pasted back together in the head. It wasn't moving, and the corpse of Johannes, or whatever he was, mourned it. This makes no sense based on what we know, but regardless, you did the right thing. It's it's a shame you couldn't kill more of them, but one is a start. Mm-hmm. And then what he, is- like, taps the safe, and he's like, and there's, there's three more they won't get of ours. Uh, and Maka was going to say, like, what... What is this? And we can't gestures to the vault. Um, he he looks truly crestfallen, and he just says, um, "We can't stop them from rising as necrotists, but we can stop them from joining the fight." So you're saying that vault is full of necrotists? Yes. Uh, can the three of you roll me a perception check, please? Nineteen. Not as high as 19. Uh, 19 I'm also a 19. <laughs> Great. Oh, wow. Hey. Um, the two of you saw the vault just before they closed it. It's not that big, and it was empty when they put the three corpses inside. What you're saying does not add up, because you've been fighting for a very long time. You said people fall every battle. And we've only seen you put three in an empty vault. This is an awkward question that we learned has some applicability in another place. Which of your orcs have fallen? Um, He gestures to um, uh, one of the other orcs, it wouldn't be Shadlock, but one of the other orcs who runs forward um, and kind of goes through a a list of the regiment and he kind of like shows you. um, But then... As he looks at it, he realizes that almost every name has been crossed off. And then he kind of flips through it. Uh, and he says, well, this is clearly just bad accounting. As you can see, most of these these, these men are alive. Mm-hmm. Like, this woman yes. is standing right there. You have been fighting for nearly 1,000 years. And you lost three soldiers total. Mm-hmm. No, a lot, of, a lot of good men and women have, have died. But, but we've really made a difference. Mm-hmm. Here's this may be a discussion just for Captain Rios and us. Captain, can we speak inside your tent? Uh, certainly. Step into my tent, and he leads you back into the cavern because there's no tent. <laughs> Great, yeah. Captain. We discovered on the beach that the gnomes remembered the deaths of certain party members, but when they looked at it, no one had died. They just remembered the act of death. Everyone was still alive. And he just, like, looks at you in classic, like, angry military guy fashion. He's like, don't tell me I don't remember the, the, the women and the men I've lost. Uh, go ahead and roll me a persuasion check, please. That is a dirty 20. Ooh, nice. Um, he gets real mad at you, uh, but as he yells, he starts to, like, yell his way into... <laughs> Yell his way into believing you, <laughs> where it's just a lot of like, no, like, like I remember the the, the face, and the name of everyone who's died under my command. Uh, like, like uh, there was Brigitte who's there, but there was also, and then as he starts listing off names, he's seeing all of them, uh, and he's like, and and Shadlock, Shadlock, and then he 
like you almost see him uh, freeze up for a moment, um, and then his his fingers twitch a little bit, um, and then uh, blood begins to run out of the tear ducts in his eyes uh, and out of his nose and out of his ears, out of like the nose plate, and uh, he just kind of goes, uh, I, 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 um. And then as he, he lurches forward, he just kind of grabs the front of your tunic with his, his three remaining fingers, uh, and he just looks at you and he says, You're right. They live. And then he um, collapses and starts foaming at the mouth. Damn it, that's not good. Uh, sire, Tortal. Tortal, Maka, what's... Can you heal him? What is this? Uh, yeah, I can... <laughs> I could use my last second level spell slot for one more round of lesser restoration. So I lay my hands on him and the spores uh, do their work. Um, you can you tell me, Tom, if it's in vain or not, um, but I, I attempt to reverse this condition that he's under, um, this seizing and, and, and bleeding out of every orifice. Um, you... Uh, the spores do their work. They they do exactly what what they normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, there doesn't seem to be any effect uh, because all body function in him has ceased. Uh, is that another way of saying that he is dead? Uh, yes, but also like uh, alarmingly, st- like almost like he's like he hasn't petrified or anything. But like all you know, when like a body shuts down, it shuts down piece by piece. Sure. His entire body has simultaneously shut down. Everything's done. So there's like no living bacteria. He just went to zero. Just yep, yeah, full full stop. Hmm. Like it's not like it's not like his heart is like pumping out the last. His lungs aren't doing the thing. His eyes aren't flickering. It's just full on like done. What just happened? His entire body just stopped. Mm, I have never seen this. Mm, I think we should wait. See what happens. Mm, yes, the dead, when they fall, they rise as... as themselves, the sir, yeah. Mm, yes, this is the captain, you called him. Mm, yes, a leader to those out there. We should keep him in here for now. Mm. You two remain here. I'll take control of the camp with Shadlock to keep them functioning as normal. And then we will see what awaits us in the morning. Uh, I will uh, I will bind Captain Rios um, and uh, just kind of prop him up against a, a wall in the cavern away from the, the door, the, okay. the, the opening. So as you, you begin to bind up the body, um, mm-hmm. again, it's just pure dead weight um and um as you start like uh you, you know you type the hands uh and then you go to type the feet um and you go back to type the hands um but the hands are gone and the rope is is just kind of in his lap um and as you watch uh his uh, sleeves begin to sort of slowly um sink and his whole body seems to be kind of sinking into nothingness um, and it's like every time you blink, he's just a bit harder to see. Um, and uh, eventually, as you as you watch, um, the 
his face kind of almost crumples into itself. Uh, the nose plate falls off. Uh, the two um, eyebrow rings kind of clatter off his armor to the ground. And then the whole armor kind of sinks into itself, and there's nothing left. There is literally nothing left? Just what he was wearing in his gear. So the gear is not pristine, but it did not uh, degenerate in any way like his body did? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Hmm, wow. Uh, Maka's like at a loss for words. He just doesn't understand what he's looking at. Um, and he'll, uh, he'll look to Gwendolyn, uh, just kind of confused with his hands just open, like where he was holding this guy. I, I just kind of throw my hands up. <laughs> um, can both of you roll me perception checks, please? Jeez. A dirty 20. 23. My fucking checks are fucking amazing. <laughs> they, a dirty 20 to 23. Very perceptive. <laughs> um, so if you'll remember in the uh, the captain's quarters, there is a, um, a pool in the center. Um, right. yeah. You see the, the surface begin to ripple a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and as you watch a, uh, a completely bleached white root begins to slither out of the pond and as you remain perfectly still you see it um, start to spread into kind of um, small branching uh, almost veins gather his gear and start pulling it towards the the edge of the the pool do I know any kind of vegetation that behaves this way um, as someone who can summon vegetation to do your work, you're fully aware of magic that would do this. Okay. This is not a natural thing, nor does this look like the root of any, uh, sort of living creature you've seen. I see. It actually looks like it's roughly the same texture as the mountains. The same texture Ooh. as the mountains. Um, I'm going to, uh... It's dragging this equipment over back into the water. Yeah. And you can see it's it's doing a pretty prolific job. It managed to get both rings. It got, like, it's pretty much got all, all the stuff he had. Uh, I'm going to, um, as a turtle, uh, poke my head into the surface of the pond and, and see what's underwater. Um, you can see that uh, it seems to go deep. Like, it's, there. there's, um, it, it, for, I think, most non-aquatic people uh, it'd be hard to notice but there's a, a crevice that seems to lead um, further down um, that uh, it's it's roughly like the size of a manhole cover uh, it's, it's natural like it's a natural break mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah it seems that um, this this thing is linked to kind of an under under mountain network of some sort uh I'm going to submerge. I want to go down and check out this crevice that it's coming out of. So I think keeping a safe distance from obviously mm-hmm. the the roots, um, yeah. you you see them pull it, uh, and you can breathe underwater for like an hour, right? I can hold my breath for an hour. Right. Yeah. So um, I think we'll say that you kind of push yourself through and follow this down a ways, um, and you can see that uh, it connects to kind of a 
small system of, of tunnels um, that leads down mm-hmm. and away from this chamber, kind of deeper and deeper into the heart of the mountain. Uh, the magical energy you felt is pulsing stronger and stronger the deeper you go. Um, and then you can see that it actually opens up into a cavern uh, where there's uh, a bit of a ceiling. So for less amphibian people, they could probably grab a breath. Um, and there's a waterfall um, that seems to lead off the, the lip of this. Um, that kind of Basically, this pond maintains, it, it dips and comes up in the same way that um, you can keep kind of steady water in a, in a pipe. So mm-hmm. uh, the pond remains level. There's kind of a U-shaped, that opens up into a cavern. It filters off into a waterfall of some sort um, that is in a much larger space. Yeah. It seems to be an entire sort of massive cavern. Okay. Uh, that's as far as I'll go without my friends, and I'll sure. dip back under and, and, and climb up out of the pond. Um, Gwendolyn, the, the root, it collected... Rios's belongings, everything, brought it underwater. There is a deep network. I came to a cavern and found a waterfall. I went no further, but I think this is where we need to go next. Hmm. I think this is what's causing everything, everyone, to regenerate in a way. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean... Do you need to breathe underwater in your new form, Gwendolyn? Uh... I, d- I don't... I just kind of check. I'm like, I'm not breathing now. I don't think so. Uh, I think what we'll say is you can't swim, but you don't need to breathe. So you can Pirates of the Caribbean walk your way <laughs> around, uh, but yes. you're too heavy to swim. This will be an asset, I think. We must speak with Duncan. Yes. And uh, if uh, you don't have anything else to say here, Gwendolyn, uh, Maka will uh, start walking out to, to find I, Duncan. I honestly feel like I don't know what the fuck's going on. So whoever's got the best idea, let's just fucking go with it. Fuck. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's Maka. my that's my inner monologue, anyways. Yeah. Which comes across, I think. Maka uh, goes to uh, hook back up with uh, with Duncan. Fill him in. Yeah. So you'd see like Vivaldi and Peachtree would go past you towards like the captain's tent. Uh, and then you probably find Duncan with Shadlock, literally just getting like a list of the weapons that are available, where the troops are billeted, like the lay of the land so that he could command theoretically the next day if the captain doesn't show up. Just entirely hypothetically, right? Yeah. Well, because I mean, for him, he's like, he comes back a zombie. He comes back not knowing and takes over. He yep. comes back tied up. I have no idea. Because for me, that would just left them with a dead captain. And it's also like, I need to keep everybody busy. 100%. Because if they go yep. in and just find a dead captain, we're going to have a bad day. Well, also, yep. you told one person the truth and then their brain exploded. And he was the smart one. So, <laughs> uh... yeah, and it did not true when we talked to the necrotist. So. Also, Necrot is real. Duncan having a real weird day deciding yep. to focus on action. All right. So um, you guys hook back up with Duncan. Um, I think you fill him in pretty quickly. 
uh, Duncan has the appropriate amount of horror reaction. Um, <laughs> it's beautifully acted. Being a man of uh, <laughs> being a man of action himself, uh, and as you've just stated, Ryan, your intent being like, let's just get this shit done because me no likey. Um, would the intent be to just dive in, like the three of you explore I this mean, cavern? What's I can't breathe underwater. So there's, uh, yeah, I can't breathe underwater, so there's a concern there. Also, I would want to try to see if we could bring as much explosives as possible, because if there's something at the core of this we can just blow up, then we should do that. Um, for the purpose of, of role-playing, uh, I'll say Vivaldi can follow, but he can't come with you right now. Cool. Uh, I just I, I would have had a question for Vivaldi. Of just, like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah gunpowder. Uh, can the gunpowder get wet? It can't. But he's got some solutions, just gonna take some time. And he takes okay. out a bunch of candles and he's like This is an old trick. That's a good trick. And he starts like melting candles over his barrels. <laughs> just stopping up all the gaps. Oh just he's like, them? Okay. It, it it will take a while, but it works. Trust me. I blow things up. Um, <laughs> and then he just like sits down, looks at like the stack of candles and the stack of barrels, and he's like <laughs> he takes another candle in the other hand and he's just melting two simultaneously. It's one of those things where he knows the time's of the essence, but there's no way to speed it up. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, I'll just be like, well, if you trust Peach, she, she can help. But what do we do about my complete inability to breathe underwater? Uh, so based on what uh, our friend the turtle saw, uh, as long as you swim quickly, you can get to a pocket of air. It just like... It's one of those weird cave diving things where if you don't swim quickly, you will run out of air and it will be very unpleasant. But if you swim quickly, you will get to a pocket of air. It All was, right. uh, it was oh, fresh water wait. that I was swimming in, Tom? Um, yes. Okay. So, wait, if we got Vivaldi, is there like a small barrel that would be like head-sized? Um... He, oh, I see what you're doing. Okay, yeah. He takes, he takes his, like, barrel off his back and he's like... Uh, this is my favorite barrel. You take good care. And he he, yeah. he looks at it. And he says, "Oh, Bertha." Uh, <laughs> and then he he un uncorks it, and with with a tremendous sigh, just starts pouring out the wine that was inside. <laughs> um, and he, he's just like he takes a, like as much as he can. He gives a bunch to Peach Tree, and then he just pours the rest of it out. And then he pours one out for his wine. Uh, and then he pops the the head off, and he's like. Um, and it, it drops into Dwarf and he's like, it's not the best helmet a dwarf has ever made, but it is the fastest. I'm sorry, what am I supposed to do with this? No, look, you, 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 put, you put it upside down and then uh, you, you like put it on your head and then you lower yourself into the water and then the, there's still air in there. It's like a and little tiny diving like, bell. Exactly. But I won't be I mean, able to see no, I'll, where we're going. I'll push, I'll push you along. This is... Couldn't we just have left a little hole so I could uh, open it up and inhale and then cover it back up and I could still see? Yeah, that's fine. You have a barrel. You can drill a hole. Do whatever you want. This this is a strange idea. All right. Well, we'll do it. Uh, and So I guess Duncan will right. just like... <laughs> wear a barrel on his head? He's, no, he's not wearing a fucking barrel on his head. He, that's insane. He will uh, He will put a hole in it that he can like cover up and then inhale out of if we reach a point. But he will also like just strip down to basically like just pants 
and his two daggers sheathed at his back because a rapier is probably not the best uh, weapon for underwater fighting. That said, fighting. you can hand it to if you want. You could give it to Gwendolyn because she's just going to be trotting along. So if you All want right, things I'll, dragged, I'll pack up my ge- <laughs> I'll pack up my gear uh, and give it to Gwendolyn. But I will stick to just pants and my like small of back daggers. Cool. This is where you know you get the big reveal, and he's got he's got a body like an Olympic swimmer. You know, like he's just got. I was gonna ask, like, what's his torso like? Yeah, it's good. It's is good. It, it's is a, it a Michael Phelps situation. I was, I was gonna say, say like, though, have you been cupping? Like, do you have weird little suction cups? No, from trying to no, get your blood no. He he believes in science. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's like he's he's the the leaner side of a guy who's sword fighting all the time. But he's you know like a Chris Hemsworth in like black hat or one of those other. Ones where he looks fit, but he's not superhero big. Okay, maybe like, Honestly, a, like just, a Chris a Chris Pine shirtless. Yeah, if that like, makes sense, just a, a shirtless right. The Witcher Ooh, from I the video it. game The Witcher, just thin yeah. but cut like crazy. Yeah, maybe even a little thinner <laughs> than Geralt. You know, like there's yeah. there's no aspirate, there's no steroids in this world. <laughs> and I'm not talking Henry Cavill. I'm talking yeah. weird video game proportions that look terrible without armor on them. Um, <laughs> yeah. cool. All right, so yeah, just a ropey. Like, uh, lean dude. Um, and together, the three of you take the plunge. Um, so you make your way through the murky water. Uh, it is, it is very cold. <laughs> You're in a spooky ice mountain. Um, but, uh, bracing. Um, Ryan, can you roll me, um, uh, I think it's still gonna have to be athletics, uh, for swimming. <laughs> that said, it is less vital that you make this in one roll because you have the bucket hat. Oh, good, because I roll a six. <laughs> um, so it is, it, it is much colder. Uh, <laughs> much colder than you hoped. Uh, but luckily you're able to take a, a, uh, a gulp from your, your air bucket. Um, and uh, you remember long ago hearing a tale of um, a, a number of Dawnbreakers making a daring escape from a, a corrupt lord's manor uh, and they had to sneak out through uh, through his like sewage system. They did it with this, and you always thought that sounded real cool, but also highly impractical. And yet here you are sucking hair out of a barrel, just like <laughs> your heroes. It is not cool at all, and it is very <laughs> impractical. So I was half right. Advantage is you're not in sewage, so this is still net win for Duncan. Hey friends, it's Ryan. That's right, real Ryan, not just the character I play in this show. And I'm here to invite you to help us make even more shows. Currently, we make more shows than I want to talk about. There are actually eight different series that we have on an ongoing basis. Soon it's going to be nine, spoiler alert, but we need your assistance to be able to make that happen. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash dice. You can get behind the scenes info, you can be a part of our Discord, you can add your own NPC, you can even produce a show if you want to dive all the way in there. So whatever you want to have happen, we can make happen at patreon.com slash dumb dumb dice please come join your fellow snarfs it's a snarf illusion the three of you um make it waiting kind of on on duncan who who has to take his time with the barrel and the swimming and such um into the the sort of um out of the flooded part uh, and into the small uh, beginnings of the small cavern. You can see that there's water dripping down both sides. It seems to be kind of refilling this, leading to the waterfall situation. Um, And basically beyond there, you can see um, the cavern gets deeper uh, and wider. Uh, It's much, much bigger. Um, And you can hear um, the sound of uh, some commotion in the distance. 
What um, is visibility like? Visibility, it's uh, it's dark where you are, um, but there is a, a, a large kind of pulsing light uh, in the distance. So uh, I know I'm not doing a great job of explaining this, but basically uh, U-shaped um, tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, so the water levels remain solid on either side. Starts However, above water, goes underwater, underwater back, comes up back up to yeah. air. Yeah. It's a plateau. Yeah. That plateau is fed by more water that's dripping down the walls. Uh, so as a result, it's kind of, uh, it's not like a massive waterfall. It's just like there's water trailing off. Um, this is a little tiny broken up cavern. Um, the waterfall is kind of the edge of it. So if this were video game terms, you walk out onto the ledge, there's enough ledge for all three of you to stand, but not much more. Um, beneath you, uh, there's sort of a massive drop. Uh, you can see there's more water where it's kind of pooling at the bottom. Um, but it opens up into a much larger space. You can't see into that space from the angle you're at, because uh, this is like almost another little pocket, but if you were to descend, you'd have a nice clear view of the entire cavern. The cavern itself seems almost like a massive cave system. There seems to be a lot going on under this mountain, which doesn't come as a surprise, given the amount of magical energy that uh, our boy Maka was feeling. Uh, following this uh, route, when I initially came down here by myself, uh, did I see which direction it carried... Um down into the main captain. The captain stuff is down in that way, no other direction. Okay, so that's where we gotta go. Yeah. Uh, Can we? I would like to use our climbing equipment to try to build an Adam West rope line that we could follow down 100%. so we could get yep. back out again. Great. There's no, there's no immediate urgency on any of this, so yes, mm-hmm. this isn't like before we have to go up, this is going down, so you're able to very easily take your time to do it quietly. Also, there's rushing water next to you, so it's not like you're in a deadly silent space. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just hear a bunch of, of henchmen be like what's all this then um, so uh, yeah so using the water to, to mask the sounds also there does seem to be commotion um, you can hear uh, the occasional clanging of metal um, uh, and uh, the, there's sort of a greenish light that keeps pulsing uh, you begin to um, rappel down uh, as quietly as you can but again you're in a dimly lit space and um, no one's on high alert so um as you drop down, you can see that um, there's a, a massive, full-on, like, uh, giant cave structure, stalactites, stalagmites, the whole deal, all in this sickly white, um, sort of bone white of, uh, of the mountains themselves. Um, as you descend down uh, in the distance, though, you can see that a large part of it has been hollowed out, and uh, the walls have been sanded completely... Um, flat like smooth mm-hmm. yeah so there's a massive sort of circular section uh that's entirely smooth um and uh you kind of glimpse it over your shoulder to make sure there's no immediate danger um but uh it's there's something off about it uh and you wait until you're you're kind of down on the ground level to actually take a good look um and when you do in the distance um you can see a massive um greenish fleshy set of lungs um, that reach down from the ceiling. They're huge, um, probably about 10 feet tall. Um, And there seem to be veins running up them and into the ceiling. And you can see them kind of slowly um, expanding, just very gradually, but definitely pulsing and expanding. Uh, Meanwhile, lining the circular wall of this this chamber, um, you see um, a number of um, skeletons that seem to have these same greenish veins kind of wrapping around them that all kind of link back up to the ceiling. Um, And all of them seem to be moving. 
um, doing uh, tasks almost in place. They're kind of suspended, um, but all of them seem to be kind of moving around. And there's there's a significant number. There's probably about 200 of these skeletons moving. Uh, most alarming of all, though, is in the center. Um, you can see a, uh, a figure floating just above the ground, um, wearing long, um, very fine robes um, that even from here you can see are a brilliant uh, purple um, with uh, sort of a, a very smooth gray head uh, and long tentacles stretching down from its, its face. Um, and to your alarm, uh, it seems to be moving its hands almost rhythmically like it's conducting. You're about a um, hundred feet away from this, still in darkness. What do you do? Wow, that's a lot. I was going to say, <laughs> we all stay very quiet. Yeah. Um, do we see anywhere to go up or down? Duncan would be looking at this scene going like, okay, we've got lungs and we've got evil people. Knowing we're in like a cave thing, are there other ways that might theoretically lead yep. to like a brain or a heart or... Yeah, so you can see um, this this sort of massive, the lung chamber seems to be the center. Uh, it seems to be a nexus point. Based on your rough idea of the geography, this seems to be directly under the battlefield. Um, but there are pathways... Like, it has um, sort of gaps uh, to the left and right from where you're standing and directly ahead. If you were to venture a guess, one of them likely leads to the Necrotist camp. You're not sure where the others lead. Okay. So we've got 200 skeletons, an evil orchestrator, and giant lungs. And all, this is... all veined by terrifying green magic. Um, the veins also, to be clear... Um, so they're coming uh, up from the lungs, up through the ceiling, down into these sort of skeletons in this circular thing. Um, uh, but you can also see green veins going elsewhere. They seem to be... They don't just do stop the, there. Do the skeletons appear to be um, being manipulated like puppets? Or are they sort of... Like the, the their, their animation, is it coming from pulling and pushing of veins? Or uh, it... No, actually. It, uh, it looks a little bit like if you've ever seen characters run around in wireframe. Um, in 3D animation. Okay. So you can see um, there are some, uh, there seems to be like a couple of them are running. Uh, a couple of them seem kind of slumped on the ground. Uh, if you can roll me an insight check, please. Oh. Duncan has a guess. Go ahead. But we'll let Maka go. So Duncan's looking at this uh, and he's just spent time in the camp above the surface. So he knows where he ordered everyone to go and where they are roughly on the surface, having just walked through the camp and made orders. Do the places these skeletons are moving match where he may have sent troops to either rest or collect things or move around above? They aren't. So um, what I'd like to the probably the easiest visual for this is think like, you know, in, in all the Batman comics where they show like all the bat suits lined up. It's like that. The skeletons themselves are moving, but they're in place hanging hmm. so you can't see them like moving around from place to place but what you can see are a bunch of them running in lockstep so, you can see a couple of them seemingly reaching down to drag things and yes based on so, what you'd imagine the people you gave orders to were doing some of these skeletons are doing those things to do an obscure two movie reference it's not <laughs> us where the exact same thing is happening underground to scale but if we mixed us with virtuosity 
where they put people in a VR tube that holds them still and you just see them like run arming or like fighting that is, or like That is correct. There. It is one to one with what's up top, but they aren't wandering around a facility. They are just suspended by these veins. Uh, and if, I look at the if, other, t- I look at both of Maka and Gwendolyn and I just like point at my head and then I'm like, got an idea, thumbs up. Like I'm not even going to talk. This is way too scary a room. Yeah. Uh, and then I just want to like spin a hand in a circle and point back, then raise two hands in that like question mark shrug. Uh, Maka will nod. Uh, he's he's way over his depth here, <laughs> way out of depth. Yeah. I'm listening to Duncan, so I give a thumbs up. Okay, then. <clears throat> we figured out the lungs. Could we get to any of the other entrances, Tom, or we'd be within sight of skeletons if we started exploring this You'd have to go through the network. central nexus. Um, the skeletons, again, don't seem to be aware of anything. The only thing you can see that's aware right now is the conductor. Uh, so you begin to kind of edge back into the darkness, and then you see the lungs lurch. They seem to fill the capacity. Um, they tremble for a moment, and then there's uh, just sort of a huge, it's almost like all the air gets sucked out of the room. There's a huge pulse, and they just fucking suck right down to nothing. Um, and you see a green pulse disappear down one of the uh, the other hallways. And then the entire space shakes and rumbles. What happens with the orchestrator figure? Uh, the orchestrator seems to, um, like, basically, as the lungs collapse... Uh, you see him point down that that hallway and then bring one hand up. If someone can look smug and self-satisfied from a distance, this guy. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to continue edging back into the darkness, but I'm just, like, marking this guy. for like. Luckily, nice. he looks very, very uh, busy. Um, Maka, can you roll me uh, a perception check real quick? Twelve. Twelve. Uh, you see the um, the vine, like the sort of vine thing you noticed earlier, uh, drag the gear into what seems to be a pile of gear um, that's kind of lying in a corner, and it very neatly stacks it. So pile's probably the wrong term, but there seem to almost be like essentially kits set up. Um, so it just kind of neatly deposits it in its own little space in a line with a bunch of other sets of um, charred blackened armor with necrotist markings, um, orcish armor, and what looks to be um, some, like, some of the very pristine uh, gnomish parkas. Hmm. Hmm. Um. I will also say that some of the skeletons are very small. Yeah. I had a question and I can't remember what it was. I'm oh, just, sorry, man. I blew I, I blew your question with my exposition. I'm sorry. You are blowing my mind here with this. This is not what I was expecting to find out here. Yeah. What? You weren't expecting uh, <laughs> ceiling lungs? No. Yeah. All the breadcrumbs were there, Tyler. I have lungs. There's lungs in the game. I'm just writing what I know. <laughs> I mean, like, the feel, like, like the, what I'm feeling right now is like the end of the game inside. Where you're just oh. like, this is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think Duncan will reach out and just like rest a hand on Maka's shoulder and just like turn him around 
and give him a nod and a, a wide eyes like I get it and then be like talking hand back over where we were with like yeah. the thumbs back. Yeah. Uh, nods, yeah. So we'll I'm imagining Duncan as long as everyone else is going because he's also in like hardcore bodyguard mode, which is like I may be the least useful person with this enemy. So I have to be rear guard is send them up the rope so we can go talk somewhere. Yeah, so you're able to make it back up. Again, this is one of those rare instances where you manage to find an enemy completely unaware, uninterested, and unexpected. So you got in, you got out, no harm, no foul. You bring the rope up after you, leave it affixed so you can easily get back down, but not hanging, obviously, for evil conductors to notice. Um, and then you make your way kind of back topside. Um, you all come out looking incredibly shaken, which is goddamn hard for a suit of armor, but you know what, Gwendolyn, <laughs> you managed it. Um, and um, you uh, you see uh, Vivaldi and Peachtree uh, just, like, pouring candle wax. Um, <laughs> and they, they kind of look at you and they're like, So? Friends, you keep doing what you're doing here because it's great. We found a really interesting pool, but you know what? We got to go for a walk, dry off by a fire. We'll be back in like a couple of minutes kind of thing. Sure. So off you go. Uh, you find a space um, kind of a little ways up from the uh, the, the Dawnbreaker camp. Um, just like in, in the trees, in the snow, very like early Red Dead 2. Just a... Uh, just Three pals hanging out in the cold. Um, so you're able to kind of um, use some of the uh, the aluminum shavings that uh, Vivaldi gave you that are alchemically enchanted uh, to start like a small fire, just enough to... It's more, I think, a psychological warmth you need than anything else, but it, yeah. it does the trick. Uh, and uh, the three of you kind of tuck in by the fire. I believe everyone on this mountain range was alive once. I believe they are reliving their final days here. Hmm. I believe that creature we found down there is controlling them, causing them to relive the same final day over and over. Hmm. Yes. I do not understand why. Mm. That is a good summation of what appears to be going on. I'm sorry, I left our friends behind because I don't know if they're skeletons being piloted underground or if they're free beings. It would appear... Whatever is this malevolent intelligence underground keeping everything repeating or living or whatever it is... It's not entirely aware we're here, which is interesting, knowing that we've spoken to people and theoretically it or no. But if the bone spurs are growing out from where they were, it's clearly getting something out of what it's doing. Mm, a, and, a life force or nutrients, yes? Yes, that would be my guess, some kind of spiritual or magical nutrients. We can't let this thing keep growing. And if there's one thing I've learned in my time as a duelist, if you make someone's lungs explode, they don't live <laughs> much longer. Mm. Mm. We have access to the monster's lungs. 
We have access to a mage who doesn't know he exists, and we have access to a large quantity of explosives we can take through the water. Maybe there's replacement lungs deeper in. I don't want to get too paranoid, but we have to end the suffering here. Yes. Yes, this is an unnatural cycle. A cycle initiated and controlled by that villain. Hmm. Market, did Turfle's body feel wrong? It felt like the body of a mid-aged gnome. It felt fine. Did you feel anything strange about the orc or about the captain when you laid your hand on them? The captain disappeared through my fingers as I held him, and the orc hmm, seemed odd, but I thought it was a result of being raised from the dead. Hmm. Do you think you could tell if you looked at either of our gnomish friends or our dwarf friend? Could you tell perhaps if they had the same emptiness as that orc or if they felt like something more? If I have a better idea of what I am looking for, then hmm, yes. Yeah, now that you're attuned to it, this definitely feels like something you could could suss. I think I may be able to diagnose our friends. Yes, Mm, yes. All right, so we can diagnose our friends to know if we can trust them. We need to destroy this creature. And I don't know what happens next. We're underground, underwater, blowing up a monster at the heart of a mountain. Friends, I don't know if we can walk away if we all go under there and do this. We wanted to cross the bone spurs. We wanted to get to the other side. We will blow a hole to the other side. Hmm. Yes. And walk right out. Well, that... Leave it. Yes. That could be true. Or we could just blow up a mountain and drown under it. Because I don't know. If we could kill these lungs in a more traditional means, could we get the gnomes up here and take them through the tunnels and then blow a hole at the other end? I, I don't know. I don't they, know. They, they, they have been here for 30 years, Duncan. They may already be a part of the orchestra. Hmm. All right, so... What if I... I'd just say, what if I threw my sword at them? At the lungs? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that would break the mountain. That's not a bad idea. You get the sense um, from your knowledge of video games, uh, if you are able to neutralize the conductor, you can kind of choose what you want to do with the lungs. But the lungs themselves don't... Like, this thing is clearly powerful enough that, like, just puncturing them won't, won't do the trick. All right, so we can take out the conductor and we can blow up the lungs. You know the other thing I know as a dualist? If you blow up someone's lungs, it doesn't make their whole body explode necessarily. It just takes out the lungs. Like, the body's still there. So we might be able to blow up the lungs without, you know, destroying a mountain chain. Mm, Yes. So I believe this. We should diagnose our friends. If they're not 
who they think they are. Send them off, keep the bomb, take out the conductor, kill the evil part of the island. We will give them peace one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yes. Does that make sense to everyone? Mm -hmm. I suppose. <laughs> Highness, this might be another one of those education moments. But right now, this is a very big choice. And you've been riding as a passenger on this for a while. Is this what you want? This is not my decision. This is not Marcus's decision. I'm sworn to protect the crown. Oh, oh no. This is all of our decisions right here. This is not mine alone. I have just as much information as you do. Highness, I am sworn to you as a ruler. I'm legally and oath-bound not to make decisions for you. I'm not an equal part of any decision. Yes, yes you are. Highness, you can't free me from these oaths. They're sworn to a code. Uh, if you it's want in me the title. Not, yeah, if you want me to not have to listen to you, you have to actually die, and then Orvel has to be struck from oh, the sky, and the surprise! kingdom has to be gone. <laughs> I already died. No. <laughs> you're, you're in a haunted, a haunted set of armor. You're alive. You want to know why I know? Because I have to put up with you yelling at me. You think I don't want to make decisions? I'm a creature of endless ambition and intelligence, but I have sworn myself against those things because I am equally capable of tyranny as good. All right, so here's a question. Now, like, we saw my body die, but, like, my brain's still here. So what about these people here? Like, they're dead, but they're not dead, so we just get to, like, destroy them all? Why not just kill me? I don't know. What's the difference? Do you have an evil plague mage at the heart of you driving you like a puppet? Maybe. I don't know. Would I know? <laughs> All right. Stretch yourself out again. I'm putting my head in the middle. We're going to just solve this problem. There's no... Hey, weird halfling. And I like knock on her chest. I'm like, I'm coming in to peek. And if there's a weird halfling evil mage in here, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then I just pull open your tummy and look in. You see some, uh, you see like a weird fish streak down one side, uh, but nothing else. There's nothing in here driving you that's evil. Also, stop putting fish in you. That's gross. And it makes a mess. It's going to smell. Well, I was hungry. I, fine. I'm just t tell you end game here. Process. Sure. We learned the lesson. I'm going to hose you down on the interior later. Oh. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a royal scoff. Okay. Princess, if we discover that you're being powered by an endless evil force, then we can decide whether or not you're you. And you know what? We can have a discussion. We told the captain what's going on and the orc sort of knows we're here. If you want to take a risk, we can diagnose our friends in that cave. And if they are, in fact, being kept alive by the island, stealing their power... You can ask them if they would want us to kill those lungs or if they would want to stay alive here and pervert the cycle. I would say you probably have an interesting argument between them and, and Maka, but it is up to a ruler to hear the weights and arguments of both sides before they make their decision. Yes, I'd like to hear their decision. Well, then let's go diagnose them and see what side they're on. And then you can decide... 
the fate of them and this mountain. You're right. But... All right. But I, I think Marcus should ask the questions as he, I feel like he's more neutral. Does that make sense? Duncan, I feel like you've made up your mind. Uh, I don't want you asking questions. That is technically something you could command. But the <laughs> thing I would like to remind you, Highness, is Maka has a very specific side on the cycle. All right, then you get to alternate questions. That would be a version of it. But have you been in a court of law? I know you were when you were younger, but I don't know what the last few years were like. Sure. Have you noticed that the judge gets to, like, really ask questions and kind of do what they need to do to learn the things they need to learn? Well, I think the judge decides and make sure that everything's in order, but it's like the two people on either side that get to ask all the questions and make all the arguments. I so agree. I'm just like, I'm just like, no, that was improper procedure. You ask, phrase your question in a different way. All right. But the point I'm trying to make when you build the court is you want a nice balanced court. That's the purpose of the judge. Marka believes the cycle needs to be preserved and thus we should destroy any perversions of the cycle. And I believe the magic of this island is evil, and thus we should destroy the magic of this island. You've just set up a court with two prosecutors and no defense. Well then, Duncan, you pretend to be the defense. <laughs> is that in order, your highness? Yes, it is. Highness, I am an ethical advisor, so I do have to advise you, even if it's against my own interests. Are you going to specify that I have to give the best possible defense, or just that I have to be the defense? The best possible defense. I expect that from both of you. I do not know what is happening right now. <laughs> Why are you so making you're up gonna, rules about how people speak? Because I want a fair argument. I want someone to speak for people uh, who, who maybe they want to live. And I want to hear those arguments as well. The princess has to make a decision, Sire Tortle. For she has made an interesting point, which is you and I are working with her. A haunted soul trapped inside armor by we know not what. And we trust her to be herself. But this bone spur mountain is covered in people who we have believed to be themselves, but now we know are being animated by a force. And ultimately, if that force continues after, I think we're all in agreement, we kill the floating man who's trying to force people to fight for eternity. I'm not really one to debate that one. That I'm not debating at all. He's a prick. But if they continue afterwards, this force animates these people and they are still powered by themselves without an evil force. Do they have the right to survive? Exactly. So you and I both believe the answer is no and that mm. we should destroy that force because it destroys the cycle. Yes. But by that argument, we should both be destroying the princess inside this armor, which I just want to be clear, if you try to do that up front, you and I have to duel to the death, so please don't start down this road. <laughs> Her body is gone, is dead. 
I care not what her spirit does inside her hard, inorganic suit of armor. Interestingly enough, this will come up in our future conversation in a few moments. You will be arguing on behalf of both you and me. And now it has been ordered that I have to be the intellectual opposite to those arguments for the princess to make a decision. (laughs) You've just become a lawyer. Is it uncomfortable you don't understand and it feels like you have to manipulate others for your own gain? Yes, Mm -hmm. that's what it feels like to be a lawyer. Ah, good then. I am doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when you hear the thunderous explosion back where you we left Vivaldi. Ex- we weren't expecting one of those, were we? <laughs> no, we were not. Okay. Uh, is that, is that, uh, are you bookending us there uh, on anything, Tom? Or can we run and I, find I out what say, just yeah, happened? We will all be sprinting towards <laughs> the explosion, would be my uh, follow-up. You rush back uh, with, with all the haste you can manage uh, to find a massive uh, smoking crater and um, in the distance, a necrotus archer sprinting away into the dark. In the cave systems? Uh, no, you're back up top. So they do. Okay. Is Vivaldi okay, or That's, did they blow up Vivaldi? That's what we're trying to figure out. There's a massive crater where Vivaldi and Peachtree were. I just point to where that was it an elf. Uh, it's uh, just a necrotus archer that ran away. A necrotus archer. I just point to it and I just yell, tampering with witnesses! <laughs> I'm very mad. Well, your highness, first of all, let's get deeper into the cavern because I don't want to get shot. Uh, and second, I think they kind of answered the case for you, which is the people who are the necrotists are kind of murderers either way. And to save... Ah, I don't know how to do this. Can we just go kill the orchestrate? I only know Let's how to do one thing. Kill the orchestrate. Leave the lungs for now. And with that, you pack up your weapons. You spare a thought for your dead friends. And you descend into the depths to deal with the grim orchestra. This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGee TD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald. 
Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.